0: When you think of how to describe Alexei Navalny, brave might be the first word that comes to mind. So after we learned that the Russian opposition figure had died in an Arctic penal colony, it wasn't too surprising to see that bravery on full display from the people in his life. His supporters in Moscow bravely faced down the threat of detention to pay their respects. His 69-year-old mother bravely marched up to that remote prison to demand authorities hand over her son's body. And Navalny's wife, Yulia Navalnaya bravely became the new public face of the Russian resistance movement. Even though Navalny's true cause of death is unclear at this point, Yulia placed the blame squarely on Russian President Vladimir Putin. This is his playbook after all, where all dissenting voices are silenced and they often end up dead. But one of the reasons this movement was so passionate is because it's clear that Putin's aims stretch well beyond Russia's borders. You just have to look to Ukraine. This weekend marks two full years since Russia launched its assault on Kyiv. Now is the time for even greater unity among our NATO allies, to stand up to the
1: threat that Putin's Russia poses. You
0: know, And I'm since that I'm moment, convinced. U.S. President Joe Biden has framed this fight as a battle for the future of the Western world. But these days, Ukrainian soldiers are asking, if the stakes are so dire, so existential, why are we running out of ammo? My guest this week is CNN's Ivana Kotzeva. She's a senior producer with CNN International. We're going to talk about how soldiers are coping as USAID dries up, and how two years of war has changed the country. From CNN, this is one thing. I'm David Rind.
1: So right now I'm in Dnipro, which is a city in eastern Ukraine. And I just came here today uh, after spending a few days in the very east, so near the eastern front line uh, in Ukraine.
0: So it's been two years now since Russia invaded Ukraine. And the last time we covered it on this show back in December, there was a real question of whether the U.S. would approve any new aid. And on the battlefield, things were really kind of in a stalemate. What is the state of play on the ground right now?
1: So this is my fourth time in Ukraine since the start of the full-scale war in 2022, mm. two years ago. And, and I can certainly sense something like a shift in the mood. When I compare it to the same time last year, there was a quite upbeat mood. So the, the anniversary was coming off the back of some big wins that Ukraine secured in the fall. But then from there, it sort of stalled. And this big counteroffensive that people were hoping would happen, possibly, you know, there were some inflated expectations that were not realistic, but but it didn't happen. Right. And a lot of people are telling us that they expect 2024 to be a tough year. There are many reasons for it. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, the ammunition shortages and the fact that the U.S. has not yet approved this big new package that President Biden is pushing for at $60 billion of new money for Ukraine. um, That is one big reason for this. So the problems with supplies have been going on for months, but they're getting worse and worse every day.
0: Yeah. What are the soldiers saying about how they are dealing with this lack of ammunition?
1: Yeah, so so as I said, we've just spent a couple of days in the east and we spend a lot of time talking to soldiers and, and they're really frustrated about this. They're frustrated because they can see that it's having a real impact.
0: This morning, Ukraine's military was forced to withdraw from Avdika after Ukrainian soldiers had to ration ammunition due to dwindling supplies as a result of... And
1: inaction. possibly the biggest... Sign of this came last week when uh, Ukraine suffered one of its biggest losses in a while, when it had to
0: withdraw from uh, Avdivka. A commander clear Monday why this happened. We didn't have enough people, he says. We didn't have enough shells. We didn't have enough possibilities to throw them back.
1: Avdivka is not a massive place and and by the time that Ukrainians withdrew from there, there was you know, hardly anything left. It is not even particularly strategically important. It is sort of a gateway into the region, but psychologically this has been a massive loss. Right.
0: The fact that they didn't even have enough to repel Russia in this little place is demoralizing.
1: Exactly. And Avdivka has been on the front lines since 2014 and it was taken back by Ukrainians quite quickly and the Ukrainians held it for 10 years. Wow. And they've now lost it, and and a major reason for that is because they just didn't have enough shells to repel the Russians. And this is something that all of the soldiers are telling us. We spent some time in a little dugout with a commander of a battery uh, so this is this is a man who decides where his guys are going to fire, or rather, in in this case, more often where where they will hold off and and not fire. So when we spoke to your commander, he said that sometimes it's difficult because you know that you don't have enough ammunition to protect your guys. Yeah, and you you might know some of them.
0: Very hard.
1: Very hard. And he was telling us just how difficult it's becoming, because they have to make decisions to really only strike against the top priority targets. So he gave an example how in the summer, when they had enough shells, they were able to go after any target, however small. So if he had, you know, a group of Russian soldiers that he was able to target, there would be no question about firing at them and taking them
0: out. They could just fire at will.
1: Now, he wouldn't waste a shell on that because he needs it for, you know, the big guns and and the big targets. Interview doctor, thank you so much. Um, Um, Later on, we also went to this medical stabilization point, so this is a point where the troops bring any injured soldiers before they're shipped off to hospital. So, so this is the sort of first contact with doctors that many of these soldiers have. Because they need to to change, replace uh, some guys. And, and all guys have to come back. And, and no, then so they're, the then some, they're some vulnerable. Yeah, because mm-hmm. 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 so, like, they're vulnerable when they're moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the lead doctor on the shift that we were speaking to, he was, a, he was a guy who's been in this post for a year. And he said he's seeing a real difference in the numbers and types of injuries that are coming to him because of this shortage it's taking longer to bring casualties to So no vkhodit the doctor was telling us that i found really quite horrifying is that the lack of ammunition and the fact that it's so difficult for the artillery guys to cover for the infantry is impacting even the time it takes for the injured and wounded to get to him. Yeah, and he said that in our case, sometimes it takes a day for, for somebody to bring this injured person to this safe, mm-hmm. relatively safe place. And just to give you a comparison across NATO, for instance, the goal is always to extract the wounded person within what they call the golden hour. And the idea is that within an hour, you should get the person out and get them medical attention. And now here in Ukraine, we're talking a day. So that gives you an idea of how bad it is.
0: So this lack of ammunition has not only impacted Ukraine's ability to damage Russia's troops but it's also impacting their response in terms of the injured and that's obviously not great either.
1: Absolutely. And psychologically it's terrible as well, you know, and and you know in a war like this the morale is a big part of it and and it's important to say that the morale might be you know, getting lower, but it's still super high. Hmm. Everybody is really motivated. This is, it's very clear that to most people, this is an existential war and they see it that way and they're determined to win it.
0: Right. I I was going to ask about that though, because they can have all the morale they want, but do they actually have enough bodies to operate what weapons they do have enough ammo for? Like two years is a long time to be on the front lines.
1: Yes, it is a long time and they are, absolutely facing a real problem with manpower. Moral is still there. Uh, wish to win our territories back. The only thing uh, that they are very tired. It's for sure. And that's why the Ukrainian parliament is currently debating a change in the draft law mm. um, that would make the draft wider and, and make more Men eligible for the draft, and it's very controversial, and there's a lot of back and forth on it, and we've even seen some little protests around that. But the idea is, at the moment, um, anyone who wants to fight and is 18 year old and older can fight, so they can volunteer. But as you said, you know, this is now a war that is entering its third year, which means that pretty much anyone who wanted to volunteer has signed up already. Right. But when it comes to draft, that is limited only to men who are 27 years old and older. And now the the big change that the, the parliament is debating is whether to decrease that minimum age down to 25. There is a question of potentially you signing a law or changing the draft and the conscription and lowering the age from 27 to 25. Are you going to do that?
0: And we had an
1: interview with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who told Christian Amanpour um, in Munich um, that this is partly a question of justice, right? So everybody has to fight for Ukraine, and the people who are on the front lines are tired. So, perhaps it's time for others to step up. for for counteroffensive, you need another another number of brigades. So the question of mobilization it's', it's a complicated
0: thing. yes, and but uh, it
1: is an extremely difficult decision to make, and it's one of the reasons why Zelensky has recently changed the top levels of the military, and he fired the previous top commander, General Valery Zaluzhny, and one of the reasons was because they didn't agree with each other on a number of things and, and draft and mobilizations uh, were one of them.
0: So taking all that together then, you mentioned that the morale is high in the country still, but like what is the mood now as we enter year three? Like you you just walk down the street and, you know, pick a city in Ukraine. What is the vibe?
1: So compared to my previous visits to to the country, it's definitely more pessimistic overall. I think people are realizing that this is going to be much, much longer than they perhaps thought or hoped for. I think a lot of people, especially who are, you know, in the cities and they're not necessarily near the front lines, they're just getting all this horrible news from from the East, you know, Avdivka, and it looks bad. You know, we drove past Kharkiv the other day, and and there's this big city cemetery on the edge of of Kharkiv, and we we drove past, and I just saw this huge sea of flags, Mm. the very iconic blue and yellow Ukrainian flags, And, and we stopped, and we walked, and there was this whole new section of the cemetery with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of graves. all with these flags flying above. And there were so many of these flags that in the wind, the noise was overwhelming. And everywhere you looked, mm. there were graves and flags. And that is the price that Ukraine is paying right now. And it's it's a very, very high price.
0: Ivana, thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: One Thing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Fez Jamil. Our supervising producer is Greg Peppers. Matt Dempsey is our production manager. Dan DeZula is our technical director. And Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We get support from Haley Thomas, Alex Manissari, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andres, Nicole Passeru, and Lisa Namarow. Special thanks to Matt Wells and Katie Hinman. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.